Hello there, Converge Nation, and welcome to our brand new sermon series, This Is Us, where we're learning what the scriptures have to say about Christ-centered family relationships. We're back in Paul's epistle to the Colossians. We're going to pick up the conversation in chapter number three. Uh, before we do that, uh, we want to make sure that this uh, series is relevant and that we're speaking to uh, issues and, and maybe even questions that you may have about healthy relationships. So we want to make sure that we gave you an opportunity. We wanted to make sure that we gave you an opportunity to submit your questions. The information on how you can do that is going to be on the bottom of your screen. Make sure you submit your questions. We've already received right at about seven or eight questions. And uh, over the course of this series, we'll be answering those questions as part of this teaching series. Without further ado, Pastor Wendy, why don't you greet the people and uh, we'll dive in. Well, greetings, people. Again, <laughs> I'm so glad to be back with you. And I was with you. When was it? Anyway, I was with you a few months ago, a few weeks ago. So it's it's good to be back and just be open and prayerful uh, if you're having relational conflict or if you have questions, mm -hmm. we have already prayed and it is our hope that this yeah. series will help you. And if it doesn't help you, maybe someone you know or even down the line. So thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. I echo everything that Pastor Wendy said. Right. Without further ado, without further ado, we're going to dive into God's word together and we're going to discover God's blueprint for Christ-centered Families. Now, we've been in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Uh, we've already taken this journey through chapters one through three, uh, but we're in chapter three again because Paul's conversation, Paul's uh, instructions to the church at Colossae is not just limited to just what we talked about before, uh, the inadequacies they were experiencing, uh, their identity crisis, the ideologies that had distracted them, and the idols that they had submitted their lives to. Paul goes a step further in chapter three, and here's the fifth I, intimacy. Because what we're gonna talk about is God's plan, God's design for intimate relationships uh, uh, that are familial and that are relational. And these are four dynamic relationships that Paul discusses in the epistle to the Colossian church. Number one, the, the wife's relationship to her husband. Right. Uh, and then the husband's relationship to his wife. Here's the third relationship that Paul discusses and that we'll unpack together is uh, the child's relationship to his parents, his or her parents, and then the relationship and responsibility of the parents to their children. So there are four dynamic relationships as it relates to Christ-centered family that we're going to, 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 to study and, and understand a little bit better. And as we look to the blueprint for family, we believe that you will have the tools and the resources that you need to experience God's best as it relates to uh, familial relationships as God intended it to be. Now, if you are not married mm -hmm. and maybe you don't have children yet, we don't want you to click off right. this message. Don't feel exempt. Mm -hmm. These are uh, skills and, and lessons that are transferable. And principles. Right? And principles that are transferable. So whether you are a child, uh, maybe one day you may be married or you may have children, or maybe you can help a friend, but don't feel 
excluded if you aren't married or if you don't have children. Right. This, these principles are transferable and they are to help us uh, just navigate as believers. Mm. There are some principles that we are going to look at from the scripture that have nothing to do with you being married or being a parent. Right. It has everything to do with who you are in Christ. So I just want our singles or our single singles, you don't have children, you're not married, or if you are married, you don't have children yet. I don't want anyone to feel exempt. There right. is no person left behind. This is God's word, so that means it is inclusive for us all. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. Uh, just to level set expectations, I think we have a wonderful working definition for what family is. In fact, it's, it's a piece of art that we have in our home and it is sort of in our breakfast nook where we usually have our family meals. It's not in the formal uh, dining area, but it's one of those places where we connect uh, on a regular basis as family. And uh, I wanted to use this as the definition that we're going to use and, and loosely, uh, because like Pastor Wendy said, uh, today's lesson and this entire series is all inclusive. It is for fathers, it's for husbands, it's for wives, it's for mothers, it's for children, it's for you if you're single, uh, if you're single again, all righty? But here's the, here's the definition, uh, uh, and again, this is, this is in our home, and it's a constant reminder to us of what family is. Uh, family uh, is a group of people who genuinely love, trust, care for, and look out for each other. I'll say that again. A family is a group of people who genuinely love, trust, care for, and look out for each other. And I think that's a fitting definition as we kick off this series of messages because, again, like you said, Pastor Wendy, this is, is, is an inclusive message. It's not just limited to our nuclear biological family, even though that's the intent, right, of what Paul is describing and speaking to in this series. But we also want you to open your hearts, open your minds to, to embrace these principles, uh, even if you don't fit that traditional uh, uh, family model. If you're a part of a community of people, man, who genuinely care for, love, and trust each other, you have family. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's look at our anchor text, our anchor text, which is lift, lifted from Colossians chapter 3. Remember, uh, this is the fifth eye, which is intimacy, right? And it has to do with uh, relational intimacy and familial intimacy. Now, remember, uh, the church at Colossae was a sister church to the church at Ephesus, right? hundred miles separated them. Epaphras, who was a part of the church at Ephesus, planted the church at Colossae. The reason I mention this, I'm not trying to belabor the point, but when you read Colossians chapter 3, it looks a lot like what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5. And it's almost as if Paul is addressing these two churches in these two unique letters, these two unique epistles. And so a lot of what you'll read in Ephesians 5 mirrors what Paul is saying to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3. Because they were sister churches with similar DNA. Uh, the only difference is that they were a house church meeting in the home of Philemon. And this house church was pastored by Epaphras, who planted the church. Notice Colossians chapter 3. We'll look at this in two translations, first in the New King James, and then, Pastor Wendy, if you would, would you read that to us in the New Living 
translation because I think the two verses together give us some clarity about what family uh, should look like, both the family of choice and your family of origin, or vice versa, family of origin, family of choice. So here we are, uh, Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. It says, wives, <laughs> submit to your own husbands as is fitting for the Lord. And uh, we, could, we could stop there and camp out right there because that word submit, uh, uh, in a lot of ways, especially in this postmodern cultural context, uh, may take on a negative connotation. But one of the things we'll be talking about during this series is really what biblical submission looks like. So, so again, let, let's pump the brakes and let's reiterate the fact that these are not Pastor Ray and Wendy's suggestions, right? These are principles from the heart of God that give us a blueprint for how to win in our relationships, especially our familial relationships. One of the things we say here at Converge is you can't get God's results doing things your way. So I think it's important for us to, to, to make that crystal clear right now. This is not just Pastor Ray and Wendy's opinions. These are not just our suggestions this is God's way. You know, the Proverbs 16, and I believe again in Proverbs 18, Solomon writes, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof leads to destruction. And so it's possible that we can be sincere about what we believe and be sincerely wrong if it doesn't align with God's word. So we say all of that to say the word wives submit to your own husbands is not something to fear. Uh, it's something to embrace because this is God's blueprint, right? This is God's blueprint for healthy familial relationships, healthy marriage relationships. And we're going to deep dive what it means for a wife to submit to her own husband. Now, notice he goes a little bit further in Colossians 3 and verse 18 than he does in Ephesians 5, right? He says, wives submit to your own husbands. It doesn't say wives or women submit to men. It doesn't say women submit to any man. It says wives submit to your own husbands. And then he goes on and he qualifies it and he says, as is fitting in the Lord. Uh, Look at the second relationship. So there's the relationship of the wife to her husband. Here's the second relationship. It is the wife of the husband to his wife. Verse 19 says, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. One of the reasons Pastor Wendy and I like to teach from this, this passage uh, uh, in Colossians is because it goes a step further than Ephesians 5, right? And, and it gives us a little bit of a different, uh, different parameters and different scope as it relates to the husband's relationship to his wife. That's the second. Verse 20 says, children, obey your parents in all things. Come on, that's superlative. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And here's the fourth and final relationship. It's not just the children and how they respond to, to parenting. Uh, there's also a responsibility uh, that we're challenged with, that we're exhorted to embrace as parents. And that's the fourth dynamic relationship that we see in the text. And that is the relationship 
of fathers, the scripture says explicitly, but in our contemporary context, it's not just the father, it's both father and mother. And, and again, we'll talk about specifically why Paul says fathers, but the idea is parents, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So say this with me, understand the plan, understand the plan. Follow, the follow the pattern, and that's what we're talking about, Jesus over everything, including in our homes, our marriages, our families, and even how we parent, Jesus over everything. We're establishing God's blueprint, God's pattern, so that the third thing can happen, and that is to receive the promise, okay? So, Pastor Wendy, would you read that to us uh, in the New Living Translation? It helps us understand a little bit better what Paul is communicating uh, to the church at Colossae. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Mm. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Mm. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Good. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Wow. So good. So good. So in the blueprint, okay, this is not Pastor Wendy's idea. This is not Pastor Ray's idea. This is God's blueprint. This is God's pattern for healthy familial relationships. He says, wives, submit. Husbands, love. Children, obey. And parents, do not provoke. Those are all action words, right? But I think along with the action, there's the attitude, right? There are attitudes that precede those actions. I think Paul helps us understand the attitude, and you, you, you saw this, and you caught this uh, when we were studying and having this conversation, that if we're going to understand what Paul is saying in verses 18 through 21, we first have to have an appreciation for what he says in verse 17. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that, Pastor Wendy. Well, verse 17, I'm reading from the, which Bible do I have today? NIV, <laughs> <laughs> from the NIV version of Colossians 3, verse 17. It says here, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this caught my attention is because some of the tension or disunity or discord we find in relationships is because the first step has been missed. Mm, so, so before good. I get to verse 18, where it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, mm. I first, as an individual, not as a wife, as an individual, I have to do whether in word or deed, everything in the name of the Lord. Good. So I'm not going to be dishonoring to mm. my husband or anybody and say, oh, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. So good. And so when we talk about relationships, uh, we talk about this is us. When we were studying this, we talked about this series is this is us. Mm. But I was thinking we have to start off with this is me. So good. If I come, this is me. Mm. Me, being Wendy, is someone that's going to honor the Lord in word and in deed. Mm. Wendy is someone that is going to follow uh, God's precepts. That's Wendy so is someone that is committed to God's words. Mm. 
if I bring Wendy committed to God mm. to Ray, yeah. then this relationship, not that it's not going to have conflict or that it's not going to have hiccups, but if I first submit myself fully to God and his way, Good. then in my relationships, I can minimize the conflict and the discord mm. because my first stop with this is who I'm bringing. I'm bringing the best of who I am in God yeah. to you. So good. And so in doing that, when we stop first, when we look first at Colossians 17, mm. then it helps us. Uh, it doesn't make submission look like a dirty word. Right. As right. a wife, it doesn't, you know, I don't look at it in the attitude of, well, why did he start off with wives? Mm. No, because <laughs> submission is easy for me right. in a marital relationship right. because I've already cultivated what it's like to be submitted to God. So good. I already have, um, uh, I've already gone through some time in life where I have to be submitted to the Lord's the to the Lord's lordship. Right. Now, just like in a marriage relationship, there have been times when I haven't submitted mm -hmm. my words or deeds to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And by his grace and the Holy Spirit and good people around me, mentors, right. I've been called on it. Mm -hmm. And then because I already had decided I'm going to follow God's ways, when I'm called on something or challenged mm -hmm. to fix my words or to fix my way of doing things, because I've already had a lifestyle where I know what it's like to be challenged in that way, then it makes it easier coming into a marital relationship right. to submit. I don't have to um, uh, struggle as much with my independence. Mm -hmm. Now, there may be some people where maybe they haven't walked with the Lord um, for a long time, or right. maybe after they've gotten married, then because of that relationship, they've come to the Lord. So there is no condemnation because it doesn't matter how seasoned you are mm. in the Lord, dealing with another person, um, joining space, it right. can it can rub you different ways. And right. there are some uh, thoughts and processes that haven't been challenged because mm. there wasn't anybody there. I can right. think everything is good with just me and Jesus by myself, when you know Jesus isn't coming down saying, "Hey, uh, you know, do the laundry every two days." I can just do yeah. it. Where when you're in a marriage relationship, there are things that you have to compromise on. And so, as we are believers looking to God's word, as as we uh, go deeper into this mm. series of relationships, the first stop before we can get to this is us. Yeah. We've got to start off with, this is me. Good. This is who I choose to be in Christ, and I present uh, myself to that person so good. I'm joining my life with, with someone else. No, that's so powerful and so profound and, and even prophetic, what you just shared, right? Because if we're going to understand this thing and do it God's way, the pattern begins in verse 17. It doesn't start in 18. It begins in verse 17. And what verse 17 points to is the posture of our hearts. That two people come into a relationship with a posture of submission and surrender first to God. It's not just limited to the wife submitting to her husband. Even the husband is supposed to assume a posture of submission and surrender to God. And that's why verse 17 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or in deed, whatever you do, even in marriage and family. 
you know, do it from this posture of surrender. Do it in the name of the Lord. Do it as if you were representing, representing Christ. So it begs the question, uh, with my current posture, am I leading my family? Am I loving my wife in the name of the Lord? Can I put Jesus' name on the way I'm acting right now as an individual or as a husband, as a wife, or as a parent? It's very important, and I'm so glad you brought that up. Now, notice, like I said, these are parallel uh, epistles, uh, Colossians and Ephesians. A lot of what Paul writes in Colossians mirrors what he also wrote to the believers in Ephesus. So notice Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 21, because in verse 22, he talks about wives submitting to their own husbands as to the Lord. That's Ephesians 5. It sounds a lot like what he writes in Colossians 3. But if you look at verse 21, because a lot of times in marriage counseling or at weddings, the officiant or the pastor, the counselor usually starts at verse 22. But notice verse 21 of Ephesians 5. It says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. He talks about this mutual submission that is born out of our reverence for God. Uh, not a, a, a fear where we run away from God, but it is a wholesome reverence, right, uh, of God. And that's what moves us to this posture of submission. But notice what he says. He says we are to submit one to another. There is a mutual submission. There is a give and take. It's not a tug of war. It's not about who wins the argument or who wins the discussion or whose way, who gets their way every time. He talks about this mutual submission in Ephesians 5. And then in Colossians 3, he says, whatever you do. And that's the this is me that you referenced. So you come into the relationship before you're a wife, before you're a husband, before your parent. And this is a good, good uh, uh, point that we need to drive home when you talked about this being all inclusive. If you're listening and you're single, if you're listening and you're engaged, begin to ask yourself that question. Have I assumed a posture of submission and surrender out of reverence for God? Am I doing this relationship in the name of the Lord or am I allowing culture and what is comfortable and convenient to inform how I interact and respond to the people in my life. One thing that is so good, Pastor Ray, I want to, as you're talking, I want to caution you if you are single, especially mm -hmm. for single young ladies that are in Christ. Mm -hmm. If you are a single young lady and you're in Christ and you're, um, your heart is receptive to submission, you know what it means, you know what it looks like in a healthy way. What you have to be careful of is that you are not submitting in uh, a relationship that is not a marriage relationship. Good. There are uh, believing young women who want to be married, mm -hmm. which is honorable, and they can get into a dating relationship. And because they want to do the right thing, mm -hmm. they, they're practicing submission. And so they begin to submit to this boyfriend or this, uh, this other. That's why this other person, mm -hmm. that's why the, 
Bible says submitting yourself to your own husbands. Come on. We sometimes skip over your own husbands. And so there is a time where you can, especially if you're dating somebody in the church, and then uh, they can be asking you for, oh, you know, let's go hang out. Why don't you just spend the night over? Or And it doesn't even have to be anything sexual. Mm -hmm. It can just be some moral things. You do not submit to a man unless he's your husband. Good. Now, if you've got a boss, there is a right. healthy, reasonable submission to your boss. But in relationships, dating relationships for uh, believing young women, you do not submit unless he is your husband. Yeah. And I, the reason why I say that is because I, um, in my early dating years, because I was a church girl, mm -hmm. I was dating a, a young man who was a children's pastor at a church. Mm -hmm. And this young man, he wanted me to read like these six books that he had picked out for me. And then uh, he would do things like, hey, why don't you just um, meet me somewhere? And I'd go to that place and then he wouldn't show up for another hour or so and I'm sitting waiting for him. But because I had been in a broken relationship previously, yeah. I told myself, oh, well maybe the reason why the relationship was broken is because I didn't submit properly. I was mm. just too independent. Yeah. So then I take that wrong way of thinking mm -hmm. into a new relationship and then I'm doing all of these silly things yeah. and submitting to someone who's not even my husband. And so I have that thing so twisted. And so that's why I wanted to bring up the point to your own husbands. You can be kind, so you can good. be cordial, but you don't submit to right. any man that is not your husband. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. And, and then I have a part B. Excuse okay. me for interrupting. <laughs> part B. Come on with it, Pastor Wendy. Wives, mm. when it says submitting to your own husbands, that means that if your husband is saying, hey, um, you've been serving an awful extra lot at church. Say, for instance, we don't, we don't have those issues now, but mm -hmm. coming up, I would... Um, see in church sometimes where husbands they will be believers but they may not you know they may not be so much into serving so say the pastor would ask sister jenkins oh sister jenkins can you be in the choir oh sister jenkins can you be on the usher board oh sister jenkins can you help fry chicken for the, the, fish, fry. the, the fish fry well fry you can't chicken for the fish fry my yeah. bad <laughs> come on Put it all in there. Yeah, but he may ask her, can you fry chicken for the fish fry? Come on, somebody. And the husband is saying, hey, you know, that's a lot of serving. Right. I want you home on Saturday night to watch football. And she's, re re you know, telling the husband, well, my pastor asked me to do this, and the pastor needs me to do that. Now, you got to pump the brakes. Right. Submitting yourselves to your own husband. You never want to... Follow what another man is saying above what your husband is saying, yes. which then leads us to part C. That is why <laughs> the Bible cautions us about mm. being unequally yoked. Yeah. You can yeah. be two believers, but you can be unequally yoked. If you've got somebody that always wants to go to church, they believe in serving, they believe in tithing, and you know those things that the right. Bible teaches us, 
And then you just have somebody that recognizes that Jesus is Lord. Mm. That's unequally yoked. Yeah. God wants us to be tied to people that have um, same core values, same core same values, non-negotiables, same non-negotiables. Yeah, yeah, desire the same things. Yes, desire. Yeah, no, that's that's powerful. What Pastor Wendy just shared, and again, a word of caution: if you're if you're not married, membership has its privileges. You don't get to enjoy the privileges of being married until you're married. You don't get to practice these principles. For instance submitting to someone who ain't your husband. Like Pastor Wendy said, you can be kind, you can be polite, you can cook him a wonderful meal every now and then and have fun, but he ain't your husband yet, and you're not called to submit to him in the sense that wives are instructed to submit to their husbands. And even that word, again, it, it sounds so strong, but let's talk about what biblical submission really is. Y'all ready for this? All right, wives, I need you to listen. And not just wives, I need the husbands to understand because that foolishness, that children's pastor were doing to my mocha princess before she was my mocha princess. Listen, that has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with anybody being a godly husband or even being a godly man. That's something called abuse. And for those of you men who have it twisted in your head, that what the Bible is saying, that whatever you say goes, no, let me, let me settle that for you once and for all. You are abusive. And the word abuse comes from two words which mean abnormal use. Listen, uh, where purpose is not known, abuse, abnormal use is inevitable. Dr. Miles Monroe said that. And so it's important for you to understand. And as we talk about submission, it's not just for the woman, the wife, I'm sorry, not the woman, but the wife, not the woman, but the wife, not the girlfriend, but the wife, not the fiance, but the wife to understand. It's also important for the husband to understand what biblical submission is by definition. And I want you to hear it by definition and by application. Not only how it's defined, but how it is applied. So here it is. That word that is translated submit, okay? Uh, in fact, some Bible uh, 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 translations don't even use the word submit. They use the word honor and respect. If you think about the relationship between a husband and wife, it can, you can boil it down to those two words. Husbands love your wives. Wives respect Here's the other word, honor, respect and honor your husbands. Uh, because the word that is translated submit carries those ideas, okay? Now, I want you to understand, this is the literal definition from the Greek to the English of the word submit. And I, some of the words may seem like strong words, but I want to be as biblical as we can be. And again, beyond the action, right? Beyond the action not even beyond, before the action, there is the attitude. That's why in Isaiah chapter one, I believe it's verse 18 or 19, the scripture says, if you would be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's the promise, right? That's the promise of God, the good of the land, the fat of the land. But notice the progression. If you will first be willing, attitude, and then obedient, action, you will eat the good of the land. So when we talk about submission, it is first a disposition. 
It is first a disposition before it is a position. It is first an attitude before it is an action. And that attitude of mutual submission belongs to both the husband and the wife. Ephesians 5.21, Colossians 3.17. I think we have sufficiently clarified that. Here's the definition of the word submission from the Greek. It means to obey. Right there, there are some wives who are saying, why I got to obey him? Why does it have to be his way? Again, this is one sense of how the word was used. To obey, oh, here it is, to subject. It means to arrange under, to arrange under. That means there is someone here, and then you arrange yourself under that person or that thing, all right? It speaks of an hierarchy. Next, it means, and here's the attitude, to yield... Come on, that's an attitude. To yield, that sounds like a choice. To yield to one's admonition or advice. What is biblical submission? It means that I'm simply, as an act of my will, right, I'm choosing to yield myself to one's admonition and one's advice. Uh, let, me, let me talk about the context and how this word was commonly used. Uh, the word that's translated in its hippotasso, hippotasso, I believe, hippotasso, it was a military term. So, so what Paul is saying, he's giving this word picture of how soldiers interact with their commanding officers or those who are given charge over them. And he uses it in the context of marriage. And now I'm, here, I'm even hearing someone, oh Lord, now my, my marriage got to be like, like the military. But again, it's an attitude before it's an action. Uh, the word hippotasso uh, is a Greek military term meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the commander of a leader. I served in the military, man, and sometimes we would do battalion runs. And you know battalions are, uh, uh, you have, uh, oh my goodness, now I'm going to forget. You have battalions which are made up of several companies, and those companies are made up of several platoons, and those platoons are made up of several squads, and those squads are made up of individuals. Now, if we're going to go on a battalion run, that's the entire battalion, the entire post. If we're going to go on a company run where everybody on the post, every soldier is running at the same time, there's got to be some order. There's got to be some arrangement. It's not like everybody can get up at six o'clock and somebody blows a whistle and the post commander blows a whistle and then everybody starts running. It requires order. It requires arrangement. And when God is saying, wives, submit to your husband, when he uses this word, hippotasso, he's saying there ought to be some order and arrangement to the home and to the marriage. And then it goes on, and it was also used, hippotasso was later used in a non-military context with a non-military connotation or denotation. And this is what it meant in this, this context in Colossae and in Ephesus and in other places. This is what it meant. It is a voluntary attitude of giving in. Notice that, voluntary, not coerced, not forced but a voluntary attitude. Philippians chapter two says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who was in very essence and nature God, who gave all of that up. He voluntarily, 
voluntarily yielded, right, to the plan of God, submitted himself and took on the form of a servant. That is what hypotasso is. It is a voluntary attitude of giving in. That means I surrender sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I'm willing to surrender what I want in exchange, here it is, for what's best. I'll say that again. It means sometimes I will surrender what I want for what's best. Number two, it means to cooperate. It means to assume responsibility, and it also means to carry a burden. What is biblical submission? It is all these things, but it is first of all an attitude before it's an action. And it takes nothing away. It takes nothing away. And, and, and you know, I, I often say this, that biblical submission is not about value, self-worth, or the lack thereof. Biblical submission is simply about divine order. Does that make sense? It's not a, if, if the scripture says this is the role or the posture or the responsibility of the wife, it doesn't take anything away from the wife in terms of her value, in terms of her self-worth, in terms of her identity, it's simply a matter of divine order because anything with two heads is a freak. And that's what God is trying to institute in the family and say, this is my, my blueprint of what Christ-centered family looks like. Wives, submit to your husbands. I know you got something. Do you want me to finish this thought or do you want to jump in now? Oh, I want to jump in now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, baby, jump on But in. I submit to your leadership if you need Come to on, finish say that. that one more time, baby. You can go ahead on and finish it. What I don't want to be lost though, as mm -hmm. you are teaching, because everything you're teaching is on point, is going back to Ephesians 5 21. It says, submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. So we keep going back to this is me. Mm -hmm. It's not um, a demeaning thing for me to submit to my husband. Not at all. Because I know mm -hmm. my husband is not trying to take advantage of me right. or to be abusive in any way. Right. And so as Christ followers... For me as a wife to submit, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that I don't have a voice. Right. It doesn't mean that I can't state my opinion. It doesn't mean that I can't disagree. Mm -hmm. What it does mean is I will present my disagreement in a way that is not disrespectful. Absolutely. That is not dishonoring. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's something that I'm not getting, um, if my husband does not see it from my side and it is something I'm very passionate about, I don't just keep flat-footed going back and forth with my husband. As a believer, I can then go and pray mm -hmm. and ask the Lord, Lord, is there, can you open his eyes in this you know, particular situation? Um, and I'm going to be a little transparent. I'm not going to put all our business out in the street. But one thing about you is easy. You make it easy for me to submit because mm. you let me have my disagreements. You let me mm. voice my opinion and you almost never see it my way. And you because we're completely two different people with we two different, different styles, yeah. very different. But where we meet in the middle is at the this is me. Right. I, we had a passionate discussion about the church anniversary. And so he was, he's more uh, 
business savvy than I am and he's got more patience with that. I was seeing something one way, he was seeing it another and it was a hill I decided I was willing to die on. <laughs> and so we've got this dining room standoff Come and on. I'm just voicing okay, my Corral, opinion. Yes, I mean, it was Woo. popping and locking and it wasn't an argument against us, it Ooh. was we are um, on our life languages. That's a whole nother series. We're both shapers. Mm -hmm. And so what shapers, uh, what the way they see things is we want to get here. We want to get to this destination. That is understood. How we get to the destination is where the argument is and where it was right. last Sunday. Right. And so we're working on this. He's stating his point. I'm stating my point. I'm getting emotional about it. And he never says, this is it, we're doing it this way, just be quiet, he doesn't shut me down. He listened, he said, this is what I mean, and I'm saying, well, this is the way I see it. Now, where biblical submission comes in is before we ever started the conversation, the Wendy Harmon part of it all means that my husband has the final say. I settled that thing before I ever said yes to him. But let's, let's, right, right. But yes. let's, let's talk about this because ultimately who prevailed? And, right. and again, ultimately, it wasn't about who won or who didn't win, but we had differences. Yes. I saw it one way, you saw mm -hmm. it another way. When we ended that conversation, mm -hmm. right? After Pape came out of the room to see what was going on. <laughs> Come on, somebody. It was, the whole house was quiet. It's Come just on. because what? I'm passionate and right. I'm loud. I'm from Ypsilanti. You know, we just, I've got my, my girl power going and I am. It's all right. And it was all right. Now what was coming out was the reason why I want to do it this way is because this is going to lighten your load. After all of that discord, guess what? He did it the way I suggested. I didn't know it was going to go that way. But I had room to express how I feel, felt. Right. And when I, because I ended up going grocery shopping, I, I left the house, not storming out, but I left the house because Papa came out of the room. I left the house, went on grocery shopping. You called me, hey, is everything okay? We didn't even really discuss it. He later on said, hey, I did those things that you suggested. Right. But when I left the conversation, I left the conversation feeling hurt. I've left the conversation feeling heard, but I had resolved that whatever he says, whatever the final decision is, I did speak up and I was heard. I don't have to fight my way beyond that. And the reason why I don't have to fight my way beyond that point is one, before I ever came into the picture, Ray Harmon is submitted to God. And when he is not on his P's and Q's or when he is not at his best, I am not the keeper of his soul. The Lord is. Right. I love Jesus and trust Jesus so much that if I felt that Ray was out of pocket, I can depend on the Lord checking him, the Lord dealing with him. So again, when I think about submission, submission is not a dirty word to me. Submission does not make me feel less than. Submission does not raise up any emotions like, oh, I'm not finna do that for him. I don't know who he thinks he is. I don't get that. Number one is because before I got with him, he was submitted to God. Now that I'm with him, if there is conflict, 
when it deals with me specifically, I can trust that God is going to deal with him. But because he is submitted to God, he allows me room right. to, to speak my peace. Sometimes I haven't always been as respectful as I need to be, and I'm not giving myself a pass on that. But even in that, he doesn't have to come out of his own character. He can say, well, this is the way I see it, or we need to stand down. Do we need to take a little break? There is a room. It's a, a give and take and ebb and flow right. in our communication where we don't have to storm out and leave one another or right. use bad words because what is keeping us intact is not the marriage relationship. What is keeping us intact is our relationship, our individual relationship and accountability to Christ first. No, very good. Very, very good. Listen, this is loaded and I know you're going to have time. I think it's week three of the series where you have a panel of ladies and you guys are going to talk about from your vantage point, what it looks like to walk this out in, in, in real time. I'm really excited to hear about that. But listen, let me just run through a couple of things as it relates to uh, biblical submission, and then we'll run on to the husband, or, or move on to the husband loving his wife. We're going to go quickly. So we already said this. In God's economy, a wife's submission to her husband is never about value, self-worth, or the lack thereof. It is about divine order. Second thought about biblical submission, uh, and this is huge. A wife's submission to her husband uh, is never about his lordship. It's about leading to godly leadership. Husbands, you need to understand that. When the scripture says, wives, submit to your husbands, it's not about you being lord. It's about you leading well. We'll talk about that some more in week two about that. Leadership over lordship. Uh, number three, a wife's submission to a husband, and I think this is huge, right? It is about safety. Your submission coming under authority is not about you being subservient. It is about safety. And here's what I mean by that. because It's because biblical submission is about being undercover. A wife under the cover, I want you to hear this, a wife under the cover of a loving husband is in the safest place and position possible. I'll say that again. A wife who is under, who is under the safety of a loving husband, under the cover of a loving husband is in the safest place possible. And let me just say that again, right? Let me talk, because sometimes I think when we think about submission, we talk about, we think about, you know, it's positional, like somehow the woman's down here and the man's up here, or the woman is 20 feet behind the husband. No. Pastor Wendy can be uh, positionally side by side and be undercover. And, and let me just say this to the men. If your leadership in your home is only about your position, that's the lowest form of leadership there is. If people only respond to you because you have a title or occupy a position like manager or supervisor or president, and that's why the people you lead respond to you in a certain way, you're a poor leader. If the only reason your wife responds to you is because, well, he's my husband, or your children respond to you the way that they should, 
only because, well, that's dad. And it's not because you lead them lovingly. All you're doing, all you have is position and title. And that's why some parents, moms and dads, have zero influence in the lives of their children after there's a divorce or after the children leave the, leave the house. You know why? Because they no longer see you as mom or dad because all you had was positional authority over their lives. And you no longer, that's why they don't call you for advice. That's why they don't call you for counsel is because they only responded to you because you had a position in their lives. And now that they're independent, they don't need you for anything. And it's important that you understand as a husband and as a father, that if your family only responds to you on the basis of your title and your lordship, not your leadership, there's some major adjustments that are necessary. But listen, wives, the safest place is to be undercover. And in God's order, if there's a man who is under the authority of God, the safest place for you as a wife is in that place of honor and respect for your husband. My mentor, who passed away several years, uh, uh, his wife said it this way. She said, David is most attractive, or I am most attractive to David when he's pursuing God. You know what that, she was saying? She said, I feel safest with David when David is pursuing God. And so there doesn't have to be a tug of war. Husbands, when you're lovingly leading your family, because you're following God. Now, here's the million dollar question. What comes first? Because we hear this argument all the times with couples. Well, I would love her as Christ loved the church if she would submit to me as the head of the body like Christ is the head of the body. And then, you know, the wife said, well, I would submit to him and I would serve him if, if, if he loved me like Christ loved the church. So there's this, even this tug of war between what comes first. Who should be the initiator? Can I just settle that for you right now on Converge, on this broadcast? Submission and love, even though, and you mentioned this, right? She's like, the women came first, right? In, 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 in Colossians, in the, in the, in the order, yes. uh, verse 18, it's the wives. And then same thing in Ephesians 5, verse 22, it's the wives. It's almost like, well, well the wives should go first. Wives, you submit to your, your wives, and then he won't have any trouble loving. No, no. That's where we get it twisted, right? Because... Paul's admonition to husbands and wives, listen to this, is not sequential, it is simultaneous. Man, that's good. I'll say that again. It's not sequential where husbands love your wives, then your wives will submit. Or wives submit unto your husbands, then. It's not even about cause and effect. If you submit, then I'll love. Or if you love, then I'll submit. No, 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 no. What Paul is saying is not sequential, it is simultaneous. And what he's saying is, wives, submit to your own husbands as husbands love their wives. Does that make sense? It's not about if you do your part, then I'll do my part. No, 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 no. It is as you do your part and as I do my part, uh, we will experience the fullness of God's plan for marriage. And so a lot of times people are waiting for the submission. The husbands are waiting for the submission. The wives are waiting for the Christ-like love. And because of that, there's a stalemate. 
Right. But and that's an indicator of spiritual immaturity. It is. Again, if I know what the Bible has called me to do, I am responsible to me. Right. At the end of my life, when I stand before Jesus, Jesus is not going to judge me based off of what Ray did or didn't do to me. Mm. Jesus will always judge me by how I responded. Yeah. I have a personal responsibility to do what Christ has called me to do. Good. That does not, but we never see in the scripture mm. when it says wives submitting to your husbands, it doesn't say wives take abuse. Mm. We are not saying that you're supposed to get hit on or in any type of profane out of this, the ordinary abuse. That yeah. is not what it is saying. But I believe in this, we're not gonna get into this, I was a wife before I was married to you. That doesn't mean being married. That meant that I had, when I decided, oh, I want to be married. And when I was going to the single conferences and when I was um, listening to going to the series that they were having at church about how to live a godly biblical single life, I had purpose in my heart to do things God's way before God ever presented you. Right. When I got to Bible school, uh, you all know that we're graduates from Raymond Bible Training Center. I prayed, this was one of my prayers and I still have that journal. I said, oh God, I don't have a name or a face, but I thank you for my husband. Lord, I thank you that I have favor with his family. Oh God, I don't have a name or a face, but I thank you that he is the head of our home. Lord, I thank you that every storm that rages in me, that you will quiet it with your love. God, I thank you that I am the woman and I will be the wife that you've called me Come to on. be. That's Come before on. I ever met him, I was praying those prayers. Now, don't be in any condemnation. And don't hear me saying, oh, I was a perfect little Christian girl that followed the 12 steps. Absolutely not. As I was growing in spiritual maturity, I began to follow those steps. Mm. So once I got to Rhema, the word of faith was so strong in that atmosphere. I learned not to just let life happen, right. but I learned how to pray and believe God for things before they happened. So while I did not have a name or a face of who my husband was to be, in those years, I prayed that out. And mm. let me tell you, I got everything I prayed for. I have always had favor with Ray's family, with my brother-in-laws, my sister-in-laws, with the Oma, she's with Jesus now, with the Pape. I, I got what I asked for. He's been the spiritual head of our household. I have grown and matured. And so what we want to encourage you, especially those of you who may not be married, is you can begin to pray for those things now. If you're already married, and uh, the word of God is showing you some missteps, guess what? You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. What you can do is you can do like I did. You can do better as you know better. As the word of God is revealed to you, you can say, okay, I can do that. You can just say, you know what? I've messed up in this area. I'm gonna pray, please forgive me. I'm gonna do my part. That is the part that we'll be responsible for. 
And I think simultaneously, as I do my part and you do your part, then the yielding that we want to see from the other person, mm -hmm. it will be a natural outflow. Correct. But I don't start off looking at what you're supposed to do. Right. I start off with being responsible for my own part. This is me. This is before me. It is this is before us. this is us. And the, the principle that Jesus taught was, listen, bruh, take the log out your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother or your sister's eye. Husbands, take the log out of your own eye. The log of not loving your wife the way she needs to be loved. How about you deal with that log before you try to take the speck of what you think is your wife not submitting to you out of her eye. And what we'll discover, if we deal with ourselves, if we deal with the log in our own eyes, what we'll realize is that what we're dealing with is impaired vision. Because we had a log in our eye, we thought they had a speck in their eye. But when you deal with the log in your eye and you do your personal LASIK, what you'll realize is the speck you thought was in your wife's eye. The speck of not being submitted to you really wasn't there after all. What you were dealing with is the fact that you had a log in your eye and you weren't loving her well. Perfect segue. We're just going to give an overview because I think we're, we're over time. But we're just going to give you quickly, quickly, we're just going to touch on uh, these other three dynamic relationships. We've exhausted husbands loving their wives, but here it is. I mean, wives submitting to their husbands, honoring, respecting their husbands. Here it is, husbands love your wives. We're gonna deep dive this in the weeks, weeks to come. What does that mean? Uh, what does that mean? Husbands love your wives sacrificially, love them selflessly, love them unconditionally. And then he goes a step further and without bitterness. We're gonna talk about what it looks like when a husband, because of unresolved conflict, becomes bitter toward his wife and they have a a, a marriage that is characterized by contempt, which is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, according to Dr. John Gottman. Uh, here's the third relationship. Children obey. Wives submit. Children obey. Wives submit. Husbands love. Children obey. Why does he say that? Paul says, children obey your parents because it pleases God. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20 uh, and then it goes, oh man, I don't have time to go into this. We'll get to it in the weeks to come. Here's the fourth relationship as we close. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. And that, that admonition uh, is not just for fathers, but it's for mothers as well. Uh, parents, do not provoke your children. This is what we say at Converge. The ultimate goal of parenting the ultimate goal of parenting is not compliance, it is character development. What that means is, if the only reason you parent is so that kids can do what you tell them to do, uh, when I say jump, you better ask how high. If your, your parenting style is only about compliance, you've missed the more important responsibility that you have as a parent, and that is to develop Christ-like character in them. That's why Proverbs says, train up a child in the way it should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That is about character development, not 
Compliance. Does compliance have its place? Absolutely. While they're under your roof? Yeah, buddy, you best believe it. But even beyond simply doing what you tell them to do, compliance, God has called us as parents to this responsibility and the stewardship over our children, which is character development. Zig Ziglar said it this way, every child is born to win. But along the way, many are conditioned to lose. Where does that often happen? It often happens in the home. I'm really excited about this series. This is us. God is giving us a, a Christ-centered blueprint so that we can experience biblical intimacy uh, relationally and familially. Listen, this is what we want you to do. Tell a friend about this series. Share it on your social media platforms. Post it. Repost it. Let's get the word out and let's deal with the hard issues that we all face in relationships as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, and as children. We also want to let you know uh, that our eCampus directors, Dexter and Andrea Jackson, will be randomly uh, selecting people uh, uh, for the duration of this series, and we have these awesome resources that we're going to be giving out to lucky winners each week. Let me tell you what they are. Uh, the first one is Kingdom Marriage. It's a 90-day devotional, so a three-month devotional from Dr. Tony Evans called Kingdom Marriage, all right? Uh, also, we have this incredible book, and I think it was the basis for one of your Bible studies, uh, uh, What Happens When Women Say Yes to God by Lisa Turkist. Incredible resource. Somebody today is going to be selected and we're going to have a winner for this book. And then also, uh, man, Grace That Overcomes by my mentor, uh, Dr. Darlingston Johnson. It, uh, it's also a devotional, man. Uh, it's a 90-day, a three-month devotional. If you want to get a grip on the grace of God, uh, this week we're going to have three winners and in the weeks to come, every week, uh, Dexter and Andrea, our eCampus directors, are going to select someone uh, randomly. Listen, there was so much more. There's so much more for us to get to over the next several weeks. We invite you to join us every week. But uh, before we do that, today is the first Sunday of the month, and uh, it is our tradition here at Converge Church uh, to celebrate communion together. Uh, I didn't give you enough warning at the top. Of, I didn't give you any warning at all at the top of the message uh, but this is your opportunity uh, to grab the elements. You may have some bread, you may have crackers, you may have some wafers at home, uh, you may have some wine, you may have some uh, cranberry juice or grape juice, apple juice, orange juice. Uh, this is a moment when we gather. And maybe right where you are, you want to make a renewed commitment to bring your family under the authority and the lordship of Jesus. Remember, Jesus over everything, he has the preeminence not just in our world, not just in the universe, but also in your life and in your family and your household. It is always, this is me, before it is, this is us. So today, right where you are, take the symbol of his broken body, the bread, and let's pray and bless that symbol. And as you do, in your heart, and even with your mouth, say this prayer after me as you recommit yourself and your family to a Christ-centered life. Dear God, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I thank you that 2,000 years ago, your body was broken as you went to the cross. Lord, I pray now in Jesus' name 
just as you were committed to the Father's plan and just as you were committed to me, I do the same and I submit myself, I yield myself to your plan and your will for my life, but also as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, and even as a child. Jesus, would you be Lord of everything in my life? And as we receive communion this morning, I rededicate and recommit myself to doing things your way. Bless the bread now as an act of covenant with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take now the emblem, the symbol of his broken body, which is the bread, and eat. Amen. Amen. The scripture says, on the same night Jesus was betrayed, he also took the cup and said, this is my blood which is shed for you. And as often as you drink of this cup, you do this in remembrance of me. And so right where you are, in the comfort of your home, you might be on the road and traveling and watching this broadcast. Wherever you are, there is absolutely no distance with God. And maybe this is the morning when you say, this is me, so that it can be, this is us. Maybe this is the morning you're making that commitment as you prepare to receive the cup, to be a husband who loves, to be a wife who honors and respects, to be a child who is obedient, to be parents that do not provoke and exasperate their children. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, this symbol of your shed blood. We thank you that in your blood we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, forgive us for where we've fallen short, where we've missed the mark uh, individually, where we've missed the mark as husbands, as fathers, as wives, as mothers, and as children. Uh, Father, help us uh, to make it right. And Lord, in this moment, as we receive the cup, we thank you that it's blessed to our bodies and our lives to your service. And as we drink of this cup, Lord, I pray that this will be a moment of reconciliation uh, to those families uh, that are struggling, those families that, that need to be a little bit closer today, for husbands who need to be restored to their wives and children who need to be restored to their parents. We pray for reconciliation because of the blood of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. We ask it now in the strong name, the matchless name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. Take now and drink of the cup. God bless you. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.